0: Hello, and welcome to another edition of Something Rhymes with Purple. This is a podcast all about words and language, and it features me, Charles Brandreth, and my friend and colleague, Susie Dent. Hello. This is the week of Halloween. I was going to say, what does Halloween mean to you, Susie, but what does Halloween mean?
1: Uh, well, it's a shortening, really, of um, Hallow's Een, which itself is Hallow's Evening. Hallow, an old English word for holy. And it's a time in the liturgical year, I guess, which is dedicated to remembering the dead. So saints and martyrs and all the faithfully departed.
0: And that actually happens on All Hallows Day, which is the 1st of November, mm-hmm. when we remember the dear departed the saints that went before us, but Halloween is the night before. Mm. That's right. Do you take part in Halloween? I mean, this trick or treating. I mean, what the traditions of Halloween, uh, these are American, aren't they? They've come over from America. Uh, You're obviously going to say you love it, but I'm not sure (laughs) that we do love it. I I have to say that in our house, we lie very, very low indeed. The lights are turned off. We're hiding behind the sofa um, because we don't want strange children coming to our house saying trick or
1: treat. Definitely not coming around yours, Jars. Um, I love trick or treating, absolutely love it. And yes, um, we know it through America, but you know, this idea of dressing up in a costume. And going around houses. It's been there since classical times. So it's definitely not just um, a North American thing. So, and you think about mummers' plays in the past, people were dress in their mama costume and, uh, and they would go around. I'm not sure about playing tricks on people, but definitely, um, you know, the, the idea, like carol singing, I guess, of going from house to house um, and performing perhaps some, some spooky play has been there for a while.
0: So the Halloween element has been, as it were, attached to something that already existed. Definitely. And the phrase trick or treat must be an American phrase. And the idea is that if you don't give us a treat, we're going to trick you in some uh, unpleasant way. But of
1: course, nobody expects a trick these days, do they? Everyone just sort of dispenses sweets. And what I love, definitely around here as well, is that if you don't have a pumpkin outside your house, you're not participating and no one bothers you, which is really nice. So where did the pumpkin come into it? What's all that oh, about? Oh, really good question. I have absolutely no idea about that. Maybe our listeners will know. A pumpkin. That's it's... definitely American, isn't it? Pumpkin pie. Which absolutely. Is Thanksgiving. All
0: uh, and that. They put the pumpkin then has a kind of monstrous face put in oh, it. Love it.
1: And English loves it too, because there are so many words in English that um, obviously we have words for all sorts of supernatural creatures, which we need to talk about, but also words where there is some kind of spooky element and you might not know about it. Tell me. Um, Well, which one should I go for? Should I start with the words in English for supernatural creatures?
0: Supernatural, like Um, like goblins and...
1: Well, goblins, fairies. Um, Fairies goes back to um, an old term that the Romans had for the three fates. And remember, the fates were those really powerful goddesses who held the thread of life and they were thought to control the destiny of every human being. So fairies had huge amount of power, whereas today we tend to think of them as little sprites hopping up and down the garden. We, th- we Actually, we think of fairies everything.
0: as being delightful creatures. Yes. The Victorians were pretty keen on fairies. There mm. are lots of Victorian fairy pictures. And there? hoaxes.
1: Remember that famous hoax?
0: Oh, with Arthur Conan Doyle. Yes. The two girls. The black and
1: white photos, the girls the holding fairies. Glenn Coughlin
0: or something. Mm. Yes, I think he was persuaded to authenticate them, uh-huh. to say that they were legitimate. Okay. and they were just. But Victorians did love fairies. They were fairy painters who specialised in fairy painting and there was a famous man who was actually a murderer who painted fairy pictures and he painted them in Broadmoor and Ooh. they're now worth a huge fortune. Wow. Oh yeah uh, forgive me, I always thought of fairies as being lovely sweet things, but I'm I suppose because of that late Victorian thing of people loving pretty fairies, and in Peter Pan there's Tinkerbell of course the fairy, of course um, you no, know... but you're
1: right, they could have malevolence about them, and likewise elves we think of Christmas elves who happily help Santa, um, as we know, but in fact, elves were once thought of as being um quite evil little things, well at least they had the potential for evil, and you know the word oaf. Um, in English, that's actually a, a variant on Elf because it was thought that the Elves would come um, occasionally and they would swap um, a human child for one of their their own. Um, that child became a changeling and because they were often quite sort of dim-witted, Oaf uh, became somebody who's, you know, not particularly intelligent or a bit clumsy.
0: What's a changeling? Because in A Midsummer Night's Dream, the battle, that, which is full of fairies... Of course. To ..the battle him, is I about think. a changeling child the battle between Titania and Oberon, is about a changeling. What does changeling mean?
1: Changeling just means a child that is left in place of the real one. Ah. Uh, So it's a kind of fake, not a fake child, obviously, it's a real child. You've swapped, you've
0: taken away, as it were, the prince and left somebody else in the cradle. Yeah. There are fairies that are good or bad, there are sprites. Is that a version of the word Spirit.
1: Um, it is, indeed. So sprites, again, come in many guises, I think, like naiads, who are sort of water nymphs. Um, so there's a lot of Greek mythology that's, that's um, you know, wrapped up in all of these. And more recently, we have the goblins, and goblins were named after gobelinus. And gobelinus was a mischievous spirit or sprite who was said to haunt Evre um, in northern France in the 12th century and loomed so large in the imagination that it sort of slipped into the languages as, as Goblin. And a Hobgoblin, the Hob part, is uh, a riff on Robin. So it's a nickname for Robin, and you think of Robin Goodfellow, which, of course, brings us back to Midsummer Night's Dream with Puck. Um, but you, Hob is simply a nickname for you know Rob for Robin.
0: Goblin, your food, is bad for your elf. <laughs> Little gem there. <chamber. laughs> Because I know we have younger listeners and I just throw, I'm just i here to throw in the odd little uh, bonbouche for them.
1: For those younger, younger listeners as well, we have to say elves are now supremely lovely, aren't they? And they do bring Christmas gifts. Um, gremlins. Yeah. Uh, if you, we use it more loosely these days. So there's a gremlin in the works or you might have a gremlin in your computer, etc. think that's a combination of goblin and fremlins. And fremlins was a type of beer that was sold during the Second World War. Um, and the idea, perhaps, was that gremlins were the sort of things that you saw when you'd had too many.
0: Ah. Hmm. Where does witchcraft come in?
1: Oh gosh, I, we need an expert on the history of witchcraft because it's absolutely fascinating. We had Susanna Lipscomb uh, on Countdown quite recently, and this is one of her special subjects: um, uh, witches and their treatment over the centuries. And of course, horrible punishments were inflicted upon uh, witches, as we as we know today. We tend to have the good witches and the religion of Wicca are um, oh, witches always so female witches are pretty much the female equivalent of wizards um oh. wizard going back to wise or wisdom
0: but how interesting because we think of wizards as being good characters yes and witches we think of as bad characters
1: well not so much Overall. these days i think yeah in the past in, I mean, that traditionally... yeah you can get male witches now of course you can oh, Can you? yes i think so yes i think the male practitioners of wicca for sure um, I've just looked in the OED, uh, which as regular listeners will know, I always have at my fingertips. And quite interestingly, um, the male witch... Uh, Well, sort of a male magician was the first meaning of witch back in the ninth century, and only a 100 years later came along the the female magician or the sorceress. So the witch
0: began as a male character. Yes. The first witch was a bloke.
1: Yes, you will find that so often. Gender swapping throughout English, that's a whole different subject. But the first harlots were, were men. And it seems that right from the start... The sorcery had a sort of double-edged sword, so it could be for good or for bad, and then later a witch became a woman who was supposedly having dealings with the devil or evil spirits and so performed on their behalf.
0: This all goes back, in fact, to the deity, doesn't it? Um, In heaven, you get angels and good things going on. God and the angels and the archangels are up in heaven. Down below, you have the devil and his henchmen, People like Beelzebub, who are all wicked characters. And Beelzebub, so yeah. And, and what you're doing on Halloween is you're conjuring up these spirits. Mm-hmm. And most of the spirits that we appear to conjure up at Halloween will be the bad ones, will be the hobgoblins, will be yeah. the skeletons walking again, yeah. will be witches.
1: Witches, and I would just say, just to continue with witches or, or to finish them off, so to speak, um, wicked. This will give you an example of how witches were perceived. Wicked goes back to that same wick, uh, the idea of um, wickery almost, which is magic and sorcery, which gave us witch, uh, witch and wizard. So you mean the They're word wicked as in being wicked.
0: wicked, which can be both you're a wicked, wicked, naughty person, or today, oh, wicked! That's wicked, meaning
1: fantastic. That's really much more modern, obviously. But yes, wicked and which are siblings. And the Wicca man
0: and this Wicca religion, what is that all about?
1: Yeah, so the Wicca man is spelt differently, isn't it? But Wicca, with a W-I-C-C-A, is more the practices and cult of modern witchcraft. Um, so that, that's only first recorded in the 1950s. So that's much more uh, more modern. Wicca man is another um, incarnation altogether, isn't it? Um, which I think is probably associated with pagan beliefs. Next on the list, the word ghoul. Uh, Now, that really is ghoulish. That comes from an Arabic word for an evil spirit which ate the dead flesh of corpses that were found in graveyards at night time.
0: That's what a ghoul is, G-H-O-U-L. Yes, from Arabic. A ghoul is is a different word altogether, is it?
1: Ghoul is entirely different, no H in that one and a double O. Um, But ghoul later was applied to, think of Hare, to grave robbers who would dig up corpses and then sell them to, to doctors for, you know, anatomy anatomical dissections.
0: These are Victorian um,
1: people again. Uh, well, yeah, pretty there. much.
0: So ghouls is literally flesh eaters. So yes. if you've got a ghoulish sense of humour, it means you've got a dark sense of humour, but it actually goes back to liking... Enjoying cadavers. Flesh
1: eaters. And remember, that leads us right back to sarcasm and sarcophagus, which we mentioned before. So, yes, it's it's all linked. Um, bugaboos. Bugaboos were um, imaginary um, devils or spectres. They were kind of um, almost monstrous demons. And they gave us the word bugbear. Uh, today so bugbear today is simply a bit of a niggle you know that's sort of uh something that really gets on your wick <laughs> on your nerves um is the
0: wick anything to do with the wicker you were no, talking about? the wick
1: there is a rhyming slang for prick sorry about that um so no, really?
0: yes. oh i love this
1: it's hampton wick prick that's really? what it is rhyming slang hampton yeah. uh, how one of, so when you say you're
0: getting on my wick it means you're getting on my
1: prick you're getting on my prick, prick, prick meaning afraid, what we think it means exactly you Johnson.
0: Life is full of surprises, <laughs> isn't it? Wow.
1: Um, so should we come to yeah. all those words that have got hidden spooky meanings in a minute? Yeah. After okay, the break?
0: Let's, let's take a quick break. I'm loving this. Ooh, this episode really is
1: spooktacular. What's the origin of spooks, I wonder? Spook goes back to German. Does uh, it? It's a German word. As does um, nightmare as well. Yes, which they call yeah. an Alptraum. And that Alp, incidentally, is linked to O. You see, it's all circular. There
0: we are. Das ist gut. After the break... We will have more.
1: This bald to choose.
0: Do you ever wonder how celebrities order food? Like, is Sarah Paulson a Diet Coke or a regular Coke girlie? <laughs> Some peasant Coke? <laughs> no.
1: We're back. We're also eating bananas, but in between mouthfuls, we've been talking about all the words that have some kind of spooky content, even though you might not know it. So the spookiness is kind of bubbling under. Because uh, it's Halloween. Can I ask you something? Yes.
0: Magic spells.
1: Yes. Have they got
0: anything to do with spelling?
1: They do, because years and years and years ago, centuries and centuries ago, a learning of the occult and the supernatural was seen as a really important part of learning. And you can see that in the link between grammar and and glamour. So grammar was once all learning um, in the Middle Ages, and it encompassed this um, learning of the magic art, alchemy and all of that. Grammar sort of had these kind of magical qualities, but because its meaning began to narrow into education, and then of course into the kind of linguistic side of things that we know today, we needed to separate out that magical element. And it was Sir Walter Scott, I think, who gave us the variant on grammar, which was glamour. But couldn't. Glamour is a spin-off from Grammar, which I love, because I think the grammar idea is essentially so quite Grammar, balanced.
0: as in the nuts and bolts of the English language, the grammar you learn, yes. is connected in some way with the word glamour. It's,
1: it's totally connected. Which is
0: all about beauty and attractiveness it's and excitement. It's the magical,
1: the sort of magical qualities kind of broke off. And so Grammar was changed slightly. I think it was Walter Scott. I will check this. And he made it into Glamour, which is very close. So spells, yes, spell is um, related to spelling. The magical spell is related to spelling because spelling today is all about the sequence of letters. Um, But in the past, a spell was all about the sequence of words, an incantation, a sort of recital of words that could then summon up the occult.
0: Abracadabra is possibly the most famous magical word. Yes. That's part of a spell, yeah, And also it has the ABC in it. What's the origin of Abracadabra?
1: Well, it's really interesting and it's a very long story, Abracadabra. But we do know that it's probably rooted in Aramaic with a sort of Hebrew sense of a kind of blessing thrown into that as well. But what we do know is that it was once written on um, amulets um, and it was written almost as a kind of triangle with A and then AB a, and then AB. C, um, etc. Building up. And you yeah. would find that on um, amulets, which incidentally were occasionally called fascinum, and they were phallic in shape. This is, brings us right back to prick. Sorry about this. Yes, um, sure. And so fascinate and penises are actually linked in English history. If you see someone with a fascinator hat that's slightly phallic-shaped at a wedding, you'll know that they know their etymology. Let's put it this way.
0: So when you say to somebody, look, wearing that hat, you look like a prick, it's actually spot on Shall I tell you you why?
1: It's because phalluses were thought to divert the attention of the evil eye. In his sort of lust, he would start focusing on these phallus-shaped amulets rather than on anybody else and using his evil on them.
0: But this is the sound of the word phallus, which is P-H-A-L-L-U-S yes. for phallus as yes. a phallic symbol yes. or the phallus itself. Fascinate is f a s. Yeah, so 72...
1: phallus itself is not linked um, ah. etymology to fascinate, but the history is, right, if that makes sense. Oh. Have you ever been in touch with the dead? No, I would be terrified of going to a séance. A séance comes from the French for sitting. Um, I yeah, I, I don't think I could bring myself to do that. When you were
0: a schoolgirl, mm. I feel that convent girls with nuns flitting about would have done this sort of in the bike sheds or in the basement, where you got together in a circle mm. and you tried to get in touch with the other side. Never. And you had letters of the alphabet, cards a Ouija board. With le- like a Ouija board. Letters yeah. of the alphabet. And you would spell out words. And then the table would tap. You never did any of
1: that? None of it. No, no, you won't find me near there, I have to say. Talking about Ouija boards, which we don't, they're Ouija, but we tend to call them Ouija quite often, don't we? Um, But it's O-U-I-J-A. And um, I was just looking it up because I thought I genuinely don't know where that comes from. Apparently, according to the OED, various explanations for it. One of them is the French "oui" and the German "ja." So, yes, yes, board. Um, And another suggestion is it comes from an ancient Egyptian word for good luck. Or, finally, the name of... I don't know how to pronounce this, so apologies, but Ouijda, the name of a city in Morocco. So, who knows? But uh, first recorded in the 1800s.
0: Do you essentially believe in the possibility of fairies, sprites, goblins Um, getting in touch with the dead?
1: Big question. I really hesitate to say no, because then I think someone will come and prove me wrong. I I definitely believe in uh, a spiritual world. I definitely believe that the sort of energy waves around us are definitely, you know, they operate in ways that we have yet to discover. That's quite clear to me. But I'm not sure about Beyond the Grave. What about you?
0: That's clear to me. What you've just said is totally clear to me. And that's exactly what I have felt since my sister died. And I felt the energy leave the room. I thought, where has that energy gone? It can't just have disappeared. So I do think... You know,
1: also you have days, this is going completely off the point, but you have days where people who are not connected in any way whatsoever will get in touch with you because mm. obviously you are somehow in their thoughts. And then you have days where absolutely nobody does. It just, there just seems to be sort of different energy flows between, you know, to and from.
0: At a mundane level, I have to say, I have noticed that you and I text one another almost simultaneously. Yes, we do. It's true, isn't so it? So there you are. So yeah. there, is, there is something going on there. Walter Scott... Was the origin of the word?
1: It was. I just checked that. What so, was the yes, word? Glamour.
0: Glamour. Yeah. So Walter Scott turned... Grammar. Into glamour. Yeah. Amazing. Other famous Victorian writers, because he was from the 19th century, we think of an association with spooky things, Mary Shelley, mm. who gave us... Frankenstein. Dr. Frankenstein. Yeah. People often confuse the monster with the creator.
1: That's very true.
0: And they talk about frankenstein as though it were the monster yeah. dr frankenstein is the hero of the story i've never read yeah. it
1: oh i've i've I just used to see all those old black and white movies because my mum loves uh, just old films so I, I enjoyed many a matinee where you saw sort of Frankenstein. as you said it, you're absolutely right it's used it's misused as a typical name for the monster when in fact it was the creator um where she got the name of victor frankenstein from i'm not sure but of course it's it's reverberating still through language because we have franken food don't we uh, that entered the dictionary quite quite recently. So, sort of, you know, monstrous food. And didn't we have a Frankenberg for the
0: terrible
1: um, fat burger? And
0: did she simply invent the name Frankenstein she or may was have it a, done. a Germanic name that she used?
1: Yeah, I genuinely don't know. Well, there's obviously Germanic. I, I'm going to have to look this up. Fine. Yeah, leave that one with me.
0: You know, I like to do a bit of name dropping. Yes. And I will since we've talked horror movies for a moment. Yes. I have been privileged to know Peter Cushing. Hmm. Vincent Price and Christopher Lee.
1: Amazing.
0: And I have to tell you that uh, Peter Cushing was one of the sweetest people I ever met. Really? And he played all these monsters. Vincent Price was possibly the most charming human being I've ever met.
1: Yeah, what a voice. Well,
0: Christopher Lee, I interviewed him once for radio, and I asked the first question at 12 noon, and at a quarter past one he was still (laughs) answering it. I said, I'm so sorry, Mr Lee, I've got to go now. So I've met some of the monsters. That
1: is fantastic. Can I finish off with just a couple more words where yeah. you might know, not know that there are spooks hiding behind them? One is that, you know, the beautiful um, animal, the lemur? Um, the lemur actually um, goes... L-E-M-U-R. Yes. Um, that goes back to a Roman word for the people who would return to haunt the world of the living at night time. And I think because... It was um, Carl Linnaeus who gave us so much um, in terms of sort of scientific, um, and I think he gave them the name because he saw lemurs, the animals, as well. First of all, they've got that slightly startling face, but also they used to wander silently around the tropical rainforest, so it seemed a perfect word for him. So he he sort of went back to um, ancient history.
0: I'm blown away by all this. It's I'm blown away by your ghosts, your goblins, your ghouls. I think we need some listeners' questions now. Before we do get to them, do you still, with your daughters, do you dress up and do all that? Yes, yes,
1: yes. I was saying, no, definitely wigs on, uh, outfits on, uh, face paint on. I love it. That's good. Uh, Okay, listeners' questions. Um, Shall I kick off?
0: You please kick off. I have Um,
1: one from Helen Atkinson uh, who contacted us on Twitter. She said she's curious to know the origins of kibosh. Um, She uses it often, and it always seems to attract a wry smile. Well, Helen's chosen one of the big etymological mysteries of our time. We'd actually know completely where it comes from. It turned up, if you, if you trace the history, it's quite interesting because it turned up in a number of London newspapers written, it about 1834, and it followed a case of two chimney sweeps who were convicted of touting for business publicly, which they were not allowed to do. And one of the newspapers reported that the judge put a kibosh on their plans but quite what it is, we think it may have been a form of kosh. One uh, idea is that it was the name for a clog maker's tool, which was a heated hot iron, a heated iron, rather, used to soften leather. could also be used as a weapon. Uh, so if you put the kibosh on it, you might just sort of beat it down. But we're not completely sure. It sounds Japanese. It sounds, it's, its oh, it could sound. I think, Yiddish. I mean, there's just so many possibilities. So but we don't we know. Still don't
0: know. We are stumped by kibosh. Mm-hmm. so if you know definitively do let us know it's purple at something com. any other queries Ross?
1: yes tron the first hi tron i'm not sure this is your twitter handle obviously i'm not completely sure this is how you wanted to be named but you didn't give me your name so i'm sorry about that but you ask which came first when it comes to orange the color or the fruit uh very easily answered this one the fruit definitely came first it was recorded about the 14th century when it kind of began to be um, imported into Britain. Orange came after, before the color orange was named. People borrowed terms and mixed them together, like yellow and gold and brown and red and things. They didn't actually have a word for that color.
0: Or amber, as in the traffic lights. Yeah. Red, amber, green. And they were called Belisha beacons. No, no, that's something else. Those are
1: the crossings, are Belisha
0: they? beacons at crossings were named after Leslie Hoare Belisha, mm. who was the Minister of Transport when they were introduced in the 1930s. And they Do they still have them? They were on sort of striped poles, and it was a kind of flashing orange yeah, light at the top. you still get them
1: at pedestrian crossings, but you get them at zebra crossings sometimes. So
0: Correct. orange the fruit came before orange yes. the colour. And
1: orange is quite interesting for linguists because it's an example of what is boringly called metanalysis, in which... The first letter of a word shifts to the end of the preceding word. So, these are quite famous in English. Slowest down. OK. Meta-what? Meta-analysis. You don't need to remember that.
0: Well, I'd like to. But Meta. I'll give you some examples. M-E-T-A.
1: Yeah, met-analysis. Um, so, an apron used to be a napron. A napron, uh, from the French Nap. Uh, which also oh. meant a tablecloth. An umpire used to be a pair, which was a non-peer. In other oh, words, it. it wasn't somebody who was um, on the same level as the players. An adder used to be a nader, uh, and an orange. What does nader mean? Um, do you know? I was thinking that as I was saying it. I actually genuinely can't
0: remember. N a double what an adder was before.
1: Yeah, I think it's just an old English word for an adder, but where that comes from... But oh, this I'm is riveting. going to let you know. And then in the orange arm. was a naranja. It comes from the Sanskrit. Um, and eventually the N just fell off. Uh, well, it, it kind of joined the A. This if that makes sense.
0: Can I say this is completely fascinating, which leads us to your trio of words this week.
1: Okay. Did Um, you find out what
0: an adder was, by the
1: way? Oh, yes, it does go back to an old English word, and it's Germanic, um, and in German still, a nutter. N-A-T-T-E-R is an adder. Not a nutter, but a nutter. A nutter. Yes. Okay. Um, Susie Dent, your trio of words. Okay, my trio of words for this week. Well, I'm going to start with the German one, actually, speaking of German. Um, Fernweh. Fernweh, I just love. So it's about F-E-R-N, W-E-H, and it's simply The Longing for Faraway Places.
0: And can we call that an English word? Um,
1: well, no.
0: But it's come into our language, because or you're just, you're just giving I us a German I didn't realize word? That a
1: was a requirement. Well, I just, I just love it, and there are so many... BG, I mean, we know Schadenfreude, Wanderlust, and things like that. It's so Fernweh. A, Fernweh. I know not many people are going to use it, but I just thought... F-E-R-N...
0: It's W-E-H. W-E-H. Yeah. W-E-H. Fernveh, what does it
1: mean? It means the longing for faraway places. Ah. And the longing to travel, and the, the sort of crazy passion to travel, if you want me to throw an extra one in, it is dromomania. It means wandering fever, really. Dromomania. Yeah. I'm
0: suffering from dromomania.
1: Yes. And talking about sort of dreaminess, um, there's one that I tweeted quite recently, which is Nuddle. Nuddle, speaking of dreaminess with Fernveh, is to... Walk in a sort of daydreamy state with your head down, totally preoccupied, to nuddle. I like that. It's good, isn't it? Nuddling
0: free. Yes. And one more?
1: OK, just to make you laugh. Uh, and I don't think I've done this one before. A thorough cough. You know what a thorough cough is?
0: I don't know. Clearing your throat.
1: No, it's to cough and break wind at the same time.
0: <gasps> oh, no. The complete thing. A thorough <laughs> cough.
1: How amusing.
0: A cough at both ends. Yes, I love it. What a wonderful way to Well, there we are. We've broken wind. and we... us <laughs> yes, <let's> stop there. <laughs> let's stop there. What fun it's been. Oh, uh, it's thank been you. I've loved nuddling with you again. And we've had a little, this has been our Halloween special. We hope you found it as spooktacular as we have. Mm. If you've got a question you'd like to um, us to answer or you want to get in touch, uh, it's the email is purple at something else. That's something without a G, Something else.com.
1: Yes, Uh, we can't answer every question, but I promise we will try our best. Um, Something Rhymes with Purple is a Something Else production. It was produced by Paul Smith with additional production from Lawrence Bassett, who's here with us today, Steve Ackerman and Gully. I think I'm about to (laughs) thorough cough. Uh-oh.